Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Well, yesterday we were spending a lot of time looking at Psalm 51, Colin. You said it's the psalm, really, that so many people turn to when they really feel they've messed up. And uh, today we see, again, in Psalm 52, just what God reveals to us about himself and his attitude towards us. Yeah, we've seen how David uh, was depending upon God's unfailing love, that uh, his mercy is an expression of that love. And, And if we just look at the last couple of verses of Psalm 52... But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name I will hope, for your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. You see, what a contrast that is to the state that David was speaking about Uh, in Psalm 51 and even what he's talking about uh, in um, the early part of Psalm 52 where, you know, so many people are really against the Lord. But when we trust in the Lord, we are like olive trees that flourish. You know, if you've ever seen an olive tree in in, uh, harvest time, it's just covered with thousands and thousands and thousands of olives. And uh, this is the amazing thing about God. You know, he picks us up, dusts us down, and makes us clean and new, and then he enables us to be fruitful for him again. It's absolutely amazing. And so no wonder David says, I will praise you forever for what you have done. You see, all the glory goes to the Lord. All the emphasis is upon him. It's it's not upon himself or what he's done. In your name, I I will hope. Now, the name in Scripture denotes the person. So... To say in your name is, is, is to say in everything that you are, in everything that you are, Lord, I will hope for everything that you are is good. Your name is good. And I will praise you in the presence of your saints. That's here on earth and, of course, in glory forevermore. Now we move on to ask the question, well, how does God view people who say there is no God? That's how Psalm 53 opens. Yeah, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Sounds very contemporary, this. (laughs) Well, um, you know, there it is in Scripture. Uh, Not that we want to go around saying thou fool, um, because what we want to do is to give people revelation of the truth, not just accuse and judge and condemn. But here is a clear statement from the Lord. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does God, uh, who does good. But God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand and any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. They have become, they, they have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will the evildoers never learn, those who devour my people as many bread and who do not call on God? There they were overwhelmed with dread, where there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You put them to shame, for God despised them. David could look 
very realistically on the situation. He, he was a guy who at times was all, almost suffering from depression, really, himself. So, uh, you know, he, he, he was very aware, well aware of the corrupt nature of mankind apart from God. And we can look at the world around us today and we can say, oh, it's terrible, you know, this and that and the other in our society. And we can see that there are so many things that are against the will and the word of God and even things that today are thought to be politically correct, even things that are legislated for are not necessarily the will and the purpose of God. Um, we can only determine God's will and purpose from his word, from what he reveals to us. But the wonderful thing, uh, Julia, is that, that this God, even though he, he sees um, the sort of general corrupt state of mankind, he sees that those in whom he lives are like lights in the midst of the darkness. And his light can shine out through them into the darkness of the world and can impact the lives of other people with his life and with his truth. Verse 2 gives us a real insight into God, doesn't it? How he looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand and any who seek him. Yes, and I, I think, you see, this is the thing. It's not just a question of going to church. It's a question of, do you understand God? Do you understand his will and his ways? I don't mean that any of us can have a perfect understanding of God. But do you understand his will and his purpose for you today? What he is asking of you, the way in which he wants to work through you? Uh, you know, if we if we just jump on to Psalm 54 for a moment. Save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. You see, here is someone who is seeking after God. This is what it means to seek after God. And, and, and um, uh, David says in verse 4, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. And, and this is it. Even in the midst of all the oppression, even in the midst of all the unbelief and ungodliness in our world today, God is with those who honor him. Uh, we, we've got that word honor again, haven't we? God is with those who honor him, and he will sustain them. Uh, so he goes on to say, Let evil recoil on those who slander me in your faithfulness, destroy them. I will sacrifice a freewill offering to you. I will praise your name, O God, for it is good. You see, it doesn't matter what man does to you. Actually, um, the Lord says uh, in his word that those who oppose you oppose me. If, if, you know, if, if we actually are serving and loving the Lord uh, and people oppose us, they're opposing him. And uh, so God will deal with them. We don't have to deal with them. We don't have to judge them. We don't have to condemn them. God, God will do that. But our job is to thank God for his faithfulness in sustaining us and bringing us through all kinds of opposition and difficulty and conflict and for us to be sacrificing a free will offering of praise to the name of the Lord because, as we've just seen, the, the name of the Lord denotes the person of God and he is good and everything about him is good. So, 
you know, David says at the end of that Psalm 53, for he has delivered me from all my troubles and my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. And I, I think you can see your foes not just as people who oppose you because, you know, my, our, our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it, it is against the principalities and powers of darkness in this world and in the heavenly places. And there's lots of powers of darkness at work all around us. But God gives us the victory over them. And, and I love that scripture says that God has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, you know, he is the Lord, our banner, which means he is the Lord, our victory. And God does expect us to walk and live and triumph over the things that come against us. It's so interesting reading these psalms because the psalmist, David in this case, seems to give God plenty of room to move in his life. God is really involved with David and his life. I suppose that's exactly the same for us. And he understands that that in a real sense the Lord fights for him. I mean, David had to be a warrior. Uh, he was a king who led his um, troops into battle and so on. Uh, but he was always conscious that the battle belonged to the Lord. He constantly gave it back to God, didn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely, and that if there was victory, then all the glory belonged to God for, for giving the victory. Now, you can look at that just on the natural level, but if we look at it on the spiritual level, um, when we have all the powers of opposition that come against us that are in at work in the world all around us, God gives us the victory over them so long as our trust and our confidence is in the Lord, that we're not trusting in ourselves to overcome, but we're trusting in him. Um, Paul says a very interesting thing, that we are more than conquerors through, through, through him. And, you know, a conqueror is one who fights and overcomes, but you're more than a conqueror if you overcome without doing the fighting. I mean, there is a sense in which we have to fight. But you see, when we fight, what we're doing is we're proclaiming the victory that Jesus has already won. We're sort of establishing something that is already accomplished. We're taking that victory of Jesus and putting it into operation in the circumstances of our lives. Well, here the psalmist is very clear that it's God who's delivered him from all his troubles. He hasn't done anything in a sense. That's, that's right. He gives all the glory to God, all the glory to God. And I, I can remember as a, a very young believer, I, I came to this conclusion. When everything goes well, all the glory is the Lord. When anything goes wrong, it's my fault. And <laughs> I, I suppose I've lived with that knowledge because God can't do anything wrong. And when I say it's my fault, that I realize in some way I didn't trust him, in some way I, my confidence wasn't in him, uh, in some way I got my eyes off, off of him, even temporarily. And, and uh, I've often said to people, um, you need to thank God for your failures. I thank God for my failures. I thank God that he lets me fail. Because if you do that, then you can learn from your failures. And you can say, well, God, you let me fail there because I didn't trust you. Next time I'm in a similar situation, I want to put my trust in you so that I don't fail. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 